Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, we're once again talking about Electronic Arts and BioWare's Anthem, as they finally revealed what was apparent for at least a couple weeks now, that they would not be hitting virtually any of the milestones that they had laid out for the month of April, uh, and telling that to the community via Reddit post rather than via their own blog or any other kind of press release uh, was an interesting step to take. And I do think uh, there are unlikely but still possible legal consequences for this kind of action. I don't know that we have seen a major well-funded company really fall down on the job like this in some time. Uh, Maybe we can talk about Bethesda and Fallout 76 and those kinds of items, but this seems to be something different. This seems to be Uh, a company talking about fixes, talking about changes to a video game that they wanted to make and are apparently incapable of doing so uh, or incapable of doing so on a reasonable time frame or a time frame that they led people to believe the changes would take place in. And that's really where the issue comes up. But let's take a look at some of the articles that went live yesterday and today. Uh, I've got here a Forbes article. Says Anthem delays its entire roadmap, hasn't fixed loot, And this all feels very, very bad. Yesterday was the red wedding of news for Anthem. That's a reference to Game of Thrones. So topical uh, and timely, given the uh, state of the last season of that show. While an update brought some quality of life changes, some buffs, and a new stronghold, Bioware finally said what we all knew what was coming, but perhaps didn't want to believe. The entire Anthem roadmap is now delayed. BioWare delivered on practically nothing that was supposed to get here in April other than yesterday's Stronghold and a live event or two, but now everything else that fans assumed would not be crammed into the final week of the month has indeed been delayed. That would be things like a mastery system, guilds, leaderboards, various free play events, more legendary missions, and also, and this is outside of April, so it's a little bit of cheating in terms of the laboratorical effect here, but also Maze Cataclysm, which, if you're not familiar with the game Anthem, was going to be their endgame content. And really, they haven't described exactly what a cataclysm is supposed to be. Uh, but we're going to see in their commentary uh, that it's been delayed basically indefinitely. We use the word indefinitely, and it sounds bad uh, when we talk about it in things like this video and podcast. Uh, but it really does mean indefinitely. They didn't give new dates for any of this stuff. And we'll see when we look at their statement. One of the things that they're changing is they feel they've been too transparent, uh, which is not Uh, the kind of thing that I think anybody who's been following Bioware and Anthem on this would accuse them of, uh, but that's the determination that they have made, is that they've been saying too much stuff uh, about what they're doing, and they're going to go to ground a little bit, uh, really pull what one might describe as a no-man's sky, uh, where that game was just eviscerated on its release, uh, and Hello Games went dark for a long period of time, and now I think at this point, uh, everybody's pretty happy with what they're doing with that game. I think that's 
really Bioware and Anthem's ideal scenario here is to really just kind of go dark and come back with something strong, change everything, uh, and try to get into people's good graces. One of the questions that I have about that approach is whether whether or not Electronic Arts is going to let them do it. Um, certainly, after we looked at the Kotaku article, after we've had these conversations about Bioware, after we've had the conversations about Bioware even before that, even before the release of Anthem, that suggested that there were major problems with this product, with the way it was being sold, with the way it was being handled, I think the people that are naysayers and that always are holding for doom and gloom about companies and whether or not they're going to survive a mistake or two, I think that voice is starting to get stronger and and more relevant uh, because Bioware does seem to be out of their depths here, does seem to not know exactly what they're doing. And this is coming from a place of love. I've loved Bioware for a long, long time. I sincerely hope that they can figure this out, that they can go dark, that April becomes June or whatever they need in terms of timing. And they release a product that they're happy with, that people can get happy with, and and start to restore some of that goodwill for the company. Right this second, there's no real reason to believe that's going to happen. They've had all these difficulties, both in the development of the game and now in the live services portion of uh, working on the game. And so everybody being as negative as they are right now makes a lot of sense to me, um, as much as I would like to see them have a more positive outcome for their game. Uh, that's all I wanted to pull from this article. They, this uh, author, Paul Tassi, uh, does talk a lot about what uh, his feelings are on what this announcement means for Anthem, and I recommend it. I will link this article in the description to the video as I do. Uh, I wanted to pull another article just to show you this is the kind of feeling around the internet on this. Uh, here's the PC Gamer article on their announcement. Anthem's biggest upcoming features are all being delayed until God knows when. Uh, And that's really the feeling that I'm seeing when I'm looking at these articles uh, on social media, when I'm looking at them around the internet, is a a general just disbelief and consternation about what Bioware is doing here. Uh, I think from my perspective, this winds up feeling a lot more like an early access game on Steam, uh, where you would believe that it's got four people working out of a garage somewhere to figure out a brand new game model, and they're having some difficulty with it. Um, But not one of the major publishers on the planet Earth, uh, who has funded uh, Bioware that has made you know, at least a dozen great games in their history uh, and now is just completely falling down on the job. Uh, now, Anthem is not the standard game that they make. It's not the typical game that Bioware has ever made, uh, and that was something that people had raised when it was announced and when we were talking about whether Bioware could pull something like this off. But I think even the negative folks in that discussion would have said, yeah, maybe it won't be perfect, Uh, But it'll be a lot more like Destiny 1, where people had a lot of complaints about Destiny 1, but for the most part, it worked. It was an experience that made sense, uh, and uh, Bungie worked hard to continue to expand that product to make changes to fix it. Uh, The same thing they wound up doing with Destiny 2, which uh, took two steps back for the one step forward that they made with Destiny 1. But that's another story for another video and podcast at another time. But here we are looking at a Bioware that has now had to essentially fall on their sword and say, we have almost nothing ready. That being said, that's not what they said. And again, messaging from Bioware comes up. Uh, And this has been a continuing issue for them. If you go and you look through my virtual legality episodes, uh, we're in the low 50s now. This is the third or fourth episode on Anthem. And one of the things that has come up on Anthem is a problem in Bioware's messaging. They tend to be defensive about what they are messaging. And that is... 
absolutely the case for what they put out there yesterday. There's that continuing lingering sense of defensiveness. Uh, and it, it's a problem when you are trying to uh, ask for forgiveness, ask for additional time to get two people something that you thought uh, you had told them that they were going to get very shortly. Uh, so let's take a look at the statement itself, which, as I said, they put directly on the Anthem Reddit page, uh, which was an interesting step because previous communications with the community had been done through the Bioware blog, had been done officially with the big picture uh, of Chad, the head of live services, up there talking about the, the issues that they were having with Anthem. The first time I can recall seeing his face and his blog post was with all of the issues that they had during the beta uh, early access VIP week uh, before the game officially launched, where that access was really stymied for a number of people. And this is different. This is being presented uh, essentially as a note to the Reddit. Generally speaking, uh, from a messaging standpoint, I would highlight that for uh, somebody looking at this as saying they wanted this to be a little bit less public uh, than than the formal blog post from Bioware, that maybe this would get through things a little bit better, a little bit faster, uh, and a little bit easier than putting something up directly on their own uh, personal domains. Uh, and uh, that obviously isn't the case. We just looked at two major articles about what is going on, and, and other folks have talked about it in their own articles. But I think that's probably the concept in here is, one, to look like you are uh, talking directly to the community and not just out into the void on your own blog, and also to maybe have it be a little less public than it might otherwise be. But let's take a look at the statement. Hey everyone, it's been 10 weeks since the early access release of Anthem. While we have been quiet publicly, and put a pin in that, keep a note on that, because they have been pretty quiet in terms of the communications they've had uh, directly with the community, we have been hard at work in the background, and we wanted to provide an update on the state of the game. The past 10 weeks. We've learned a lot since the game went live. We've heard a lot of feedback from all of you, and we have been working diligently to improve as many things as we can in the short term. We've fixed a lot of bugs and made changes which we believe begin to point us in the right direction for the future. It's an important way to phrase that, right? We believe begin to point us in the right direction for the future. If I were in a negotiation with someone that I was working on a contract with or I was talking to opposing counsel or even a client and they had that many uh, steps away from a definitive statement that we believe is, is a knowledge qualifier. It's, it's not something that necessarily has to be real. It's just a belief. Begin, so it's not having been done something, but actually just the start of something, to point us, uh, okay, in the right direction for the future. You pull that all apart from a, from a legal standpoint, but certainly from a language standpoint, and you see how weak of a statement that is. We've made changes we believe begin to point us in the right direction for the future. That's the kind of language that suggests a certain amount of weakness in their position to me as a lawyer, looking at the way people talk, looking at the way people write sentences. And, and when we talk about Bioware's messaging, if you haven't seen my previous videos on Anthem or on the messaging that Nintendo did with respect to the cancellation of Metroid Prime, those are all on the channel. Uh, but one of the things that pops out is you can parse these things closely because for the most part, these statements are vetted. This is from Ben and Chad, but it almost certainly was approved by executive vice presidents. It may have been approved by Electronic Arts. It was probably approved by legal uh, to make sure that they're not making any promises uh, that could get them in trouble, although they might already be in trouble, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the video. Um, but 
this is a vetted statement. And because of that, you can start to uh, really pull apart what they're trying to convey. And so when we look at a sentence like that, it might seem like, uh, you know, cutting things too, too, sli- uh, too narrowly uh, and, and not really fair. And it, and it isn't entirely. You don't necessarily need to do that on every sentence. But it is important to kind of try to get the feeling for why a tone is conveyed in a statement. And sentences like that is one of the reasons why this winds up feeling so weak. Believe begin to point us in the right direction for the future. Uh, That being said, we know there is a long way to go before Anthem becomes the game we all want it to be. So where are we at today? Game update 1.1.0, which I think went live yesterday. Game update 1.1.0 went live today and includes some new content and improvements to the game. A new stronghold called the Sunken Cell. Access to the Forge anywhere in the world. That's the uh, menu, essentially, for re-equipping your character uh, in Anthem. Ability to launch a new expedition from the end of the expedition menu without loading into Fort Tarsus, uh, which essentially means what you had to do before was you had to do a mission, then you had to go back to their kind of hub town uh, in order to get back into the mission screen, and they have added, they've streamlined that so you don't have to go back into their town uh, because that was impacting people's ability to, to play the game because of their significant load times that are in the game. It took a long time to load up Fort Tarsus, and basically what a lot of people were doing, especially in the end game, was they were loading into Fort Tarsus and immediately turning around and loading back into the map. And that was just, frankly, bad design, in my opinion, although I'm not a professional designer. Uh, But they have tried to fix that by allowing people to uh, just go from mission to mission, essentially, without entering into the fort. Access to contracts without having to run around and pick them up. Similar. A similar bullet point that you you don't need to interact with this fort concept that they built uh, as much because, uh, frankly, it takes a lot of time and it's a, it's a big problem, if it's, especially when you're working with uh, friend groups. And we talked about that on a prior video as well. Uh, there are a bunch of additional fixes and improvements. The patch notes for game update 1.1.0 can be found here. There's also a live stream later today where we will show you the Sunken Self Stronghold and some of the other improvements in game update 1.1.0. Act 1 calendar. Here's where the rubber hits the road, folks. While we have delivered many of the Act 1 features on time, we are not going to hit all the goals on our Act 1 calendar. Okay. This is exactly the same problem that we discussed in their previous messaging. While we have delivered many of the Act 1 features on time is doing no work in this statement. You've already acknowledged from the start that you're not in the place that you want to be. You are making this statement in order to communicate the new state of the world, the new world order to your biggest fans. This is the Reddit for Anthem. You don't need to tell people why we have delivered many of the Act 1 features on time. And I would also point out when we talk about vetted statements that they didn't use the word most. And they didn't hit a majority of the Act 1 features. Uh, And this is something that I pointed out as well when they went to many instead of most when they were talking about the VIP early access, and that's the first video I think I did on Anthem. Uh, This is completely unnecessary, and it adds to that tone. When you're reading a statement like this, it's what makes you feel "Hmm, they're being a little bit disingenuous, or in this case, they're being defensive. We are not going to hit all the goals on our Act 1 calendar. This sentence should have been, let us be be frank, Uh, as much as it pains us to say, we are not going to hit all the goals on our Act 1 calendar. You You want to express contrition? That's the state of the world. While we have delivered many of the Act 1 features on time is doing you no good service at all. And I sit here wondering exactly who's bringing that kind of language to the table on this, whether it's one of the folks that's directly involved or whether it's someone from above them or someone else that's vetting this statement, because it does set you on the wrong foot. You read this and you, if you are interested in Anthem, you want to see them succeed as I do, uh, you sit here and go, ooh, 
when you see that kind of phrasing. And that's exactly what happened here as it happened in the previous three times that they tried to message on this game. So it's something systemic to them uh, as a company. Some, somebody there is putting these kinds of things in. We have been prioritizing things like bug, bug fixes, stability, and game flow over the new features of Act 1. We set aside time for this work, but the reality is there are more fixes to uh, more things to fix and improve than we planned for. While this is the best thing to do for the game, it means some items from the calendar will be delayed. Again, some instead of most. Uh, so they've, they've flipped uh, essentially many and, and some in a way that makes the tone uh, not as uh, educational as it otherwise could be. And the actual excuse that they wind up giving is we needed to fix a lot of stuff, which they obviously did. Uh, but it's not a terribly good excuse when you've sold this product at full price. Uh, and a lot of these things that people have identified are not things that really should have slipped through the netting of uh, prior to release. But we know some of the background here. We know from the Kotaku article that Electronic Arts had given them additional time to work on the game, but that it needed to be out uh, in this fiscal year, the fiscal year ending in, in March. Uh, and so we know that it had to be released. Uh, but that's not necessarily something that any of us as consumers of the product, as people that love Bioware and that love video games, have to be enthused about. Our financial calendars don't matter uh, for what a game is released on. It doesn't matter that you needed to hit a March date if the game wasn't ready and now you're essentially spending the time now to fix it. People are too glib on Reset Era and on NeoGAF and on other places on the internet talking about things uh, like, well, I guess this is just an early access period or I guess the game's in beta and I'm a beta tester. But this really does start to feel like that. Well, we needed to fix a lot of stuff to even make the game function, uh, and we're still fixing that stuff. So the expansion items that we promised you can't be ready yet. Uh, and in terms of that list of features delayed, the list is long. The mastery system, which was designed to be end game growth for the, your for your loot uh, in the game. Guilds, which was designed to be team content and, and working together in groups. Legendary missions phase two, more, more missions and, and content for the game itself. A weekly stronghold challenge, leaderboards, free play events, and of course, the cataclysm. Uh, they go on to talk about this in uh, just a second, uh, but I want to point out exactly how much that is. And the best way we can do that is we can look at the Act 1 calendar, and we can look at some of the language that they use here. So we're going to pull that up right now. Uh, and it says, Year 1, step into the world of Anthem. Act 1, Echoes of Reality. The world of Anthem is a dangerous place, chaotic, unpredictable, a world left unfinished and abandoned by the gods. Which is actually a pretty good meta-commentary on how the game feels at this point. As a freelancer, you are one of the elite few chosen to fight against the chaos, to wield the power of your javelin and bring order to the madness. Then you see a little note here. And I would be really curious. I tried to pull this up in the Wayback Machine. I couldn't find it. If somebody can, please uh, link it to me in a comment to this video. I would be really curious to see if this note existed when they put this uh, when they put this roadmap up originally. I'm not positive that it did, uh, and that would be an interesting revision to this. But the note is: the below is subject to changes as we are exploring content and listening to our community feedback. In particular, the reference to community feedback suggests to me that this wasn't a statement that was initially on the roadmap, that it wasn't a warning, a disclaimer that things can change, because that actually does do some work in protecting them um, from what's happening here, because once you know something is subject to change, a reasonable person can't really hold them to it. It's not an obligation that they have to hit it necessarily, and we can talk about that as well. But they try to say that things are changing, and they were listening to our community feedback, but community feedback wouldn't exist before the game was released, at least in part. So that raises an eyebrow for me as to whether that note was part of the website uh, from its inception. 
Uh, they talk about their recurring updates. We're going to fix stuff. We're going to give you coin. We're going to give you challenges. Uh, we're going to refresh the store. So obviously they're trying to make this list long, uh, daily challenges and refresh the store. And we're going to fix the game aren't exactly uh, things that you can really get enthused about as uh, someone that loves a games as a service kind of uh, model or a live service. And then they say we're going to have expanded progression in the mastery system. We're going to have new items. We're going to have a bunch of stuff we can't even share with you because it's so cool. We're going to have new free play events. We're going to have these legendary missions. We're going to have a new stronghold and stronghold challenges, leaderboards and guilds. Outside of really the one stronghold, they basically missed everything in April that you can that you can see on the roadmap. Uh, and Cortex Locked is great. It's a free play event. Who knows what they are or what they were, how many of them they wound up releasing out of what are, uh, it looks like six uh, Cortex Locked entries. Uh, but it's hard to get excited. Those aren't certainly part of the advertising other than just kind of by numbers and numeration. Um, so this is really kind of highlights exactly what they missed, which is virtually everything in April. And then the big item, which gets a giant picture, May 2019, the Cataclysm. Cataclysm starts. Cortex lock, Cortex lock, new items. That's it. That's all they promised for May was this Cataclysm. That's what you were supposed to get into, get involved in. Uh, and uh, without going further than, than April and May, since I think the entire roadmap's timing is gone at this point, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to look at this uh, much further. And it wouldn't surprise me if they actually wind up changing this website in particular very, very soon, because right now it's sitting there as kind of a bit of false advertising as it is. I think it's important to remember exactly why this roadmap was released in this state, why it was put out there in the first place when we start talking about uh, potential advertising problems, poten potential deceptive acts, and claims that could, could people could make. Um, so let's take a look at the statement they made on February 22nd uh, of this year uh, to get a feel for why this roadmap exists at all. And it says, Anthem, our live service begins. And this is from Chad Robertson. This is the same Chad that we've been discussing on the Reddit entry. It's the Bioware blog directly. Uh, and he says, hello again, Anthem community. Today's worldwide launch makes a big milestone for Anthem. Here at BioWare, we're excited and at the same time a little anxious. Coming off our early access period, we understand that we have lots of work ahead of us to continue to improve the game. As a live service team, a core tenant for us is listening hard to the community. We use that insight to fix issues and make quality of life fixes to the game. Our most recent patch, the one you are playing now, reflects your feedback and you can see a list of changes here. Many came from listening to you. Beyond that, we have a growing list of improvements we're evaluating for the future. You'll start seeing the next of those this coming week. While launch is our most significant step yet, it is also the first of many in fulfilling our long-term vision for the game. Sound familiar? This statement actually reflects a lot of the statement that we got yesterday, which is essentially, hey, we're listening to you, we're trying to fix the thing, uh, but uh, we've got problems. Uh, and then this actually finishes up uh, by saying, we shared a preview of our live service calendar two weeks ago. Today, I'm excited to share our first 90-day roadmap. Um, so there's a couple things that go along with this. So February 22nd rolls around. Uh, we've been out. People are unhappy uh, with the game, but we're trying to communicate with you that we are taking steps to get this thing done. We're trying to communicate with you uh, that Anthem is going to be better. It's a game that you should be interested in purchasing. It's a game that you should be interested in playing. We're sorry about some of the problems that you saw during early access, but we're going to fix all of this uh, going forward, and we're excited about the game we're releasing. Uh, and in order to incentivize people to have faith uh, in the Anthem project, 
despite what you might be seeing from bad reviews or bad word of mouth or bad commentary on Reddit or NeoGAF or Reset Era or wherever it is that you go for your video game content, you don't need to worry about that because here's this 90-day roadmap. And 90 days is an interesting number because 90 days is one of those things where it's not the next year. It's not, hey, this stuff is going to happen sometime in the future. You know, when you talk about a season pass for a video game, you, you usually have this kind of year time frame and it's hard to wrap your head around and it's sometime in the future Assassin's Creed is going to add Atlantis. Uh, sometime in the future, new Mortal Kombat characters are going to come out. Uh, sometime in the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You put a 90-day roadmap in front of somebody and I think the concepting is different. 90 days is not enough time to really go to ground and to, to go foundationally up from a design that you've started. It's not enough time uh, to start something new from a software development perspective. So a reasonable person analyzing a 90-day roadmap says, oh, well, these things are in various states of almost done. When you talk about adding uh, major items in April, uh, in, in the end of February, you've got essentially one month. You've essentially got the month of March to put that together. Okay, these things are basically done, and they're just kind of having to tie the wires up, dot the I's and cross the T's to get it into the game. And so we can be reasonably confident in a 90-day roadmap, especially the first 30 days or so. Uh, when I make contracts and we're talking about development milestones or we're talking about distribution rights or sales contracts, uh, one of the things that goes into a contract like that is a concept called a forecast. And if you're selling something to someone else and you've got some exclusivity or you've got some other benefits, um, one of the things that's important if you're going to be spending time making something is that the other side forecasts what it wants to buy and what it wants uh, you to do. And so one of the things we often ask for is uh, a three-month or a six-month forecast in order to make sure that uh, from the sales side, you've got your factories in line, you've got your factory lines in, in working in order, you've got your development teams as needed, uh, that kind of thing. And so a 90-day uh, roadmap, a 90-day forecast is something that we can bind people to because it's anticipated in a commercial context that 90 days is something that you should have a reasonably good uh, belief in, a, a, really, a reasonably good feel for what's going to happen in the next 90 days. There are uh, things that can happen. There are changes that can be made, but it's pretty unusual for you to just wildly miss entirely with what the 90 days might be. And I think there's a reasonable belief, this announcement was February 22nd, that maybe none of the major activities that are actually set forth in the 90-day roadmap are going to occur uh, within 90 days of the launch of the game. And again, the context here is important because this was all put out there in order to sell the game. That roadmap is an advertisement. It's trying to say, no matter what you might have heard, everything is fine with Anthem. Please invest in this ecosystem because we're going to take care of you. Look at what our plans are. Be excited. It's the same, really, as Lucasfilm telling you before The Last Jedi releases, regardless of how they might have felt internally about the movie, that Ryan Johnson is going to get a new trilogy. He's going to, we trust him so much, we love The Last Jedi so much, that we can tell you right now, without even a plan for what those movies might be, Ryan Johnson is our guy, he's going to get a trilogy of Star Wars movies, please come see Last Jedi, you're going to love it. Uh, and I would say in subtext, no matter what you might hear from some people like that Hogue Law guy. So it's the same kind of concepting. Here, present strength, project strength, because people might be wavering on how they feel about this product. Make sure that they know that they're going to be taken care of, that we believe in the product, that we have this 90-day plan. Uh, and that's part and parcel to why it was created. And one of the reasons why it's so devastating for folks 
that it's not even close it, and and that they've failed to really even tell people what was obvious for a couple weeks now that April just wasn't going to happen for virtually any of the roadmap. They waited until April 23rd with essentially a week to go in the month to have that conversation. Getting back to the actual Reddit post, uh, we see a couple of other areas that I wanted to highlight in terms of the messaging. The cataclysm, which is that big item that has that big picture in May, uh, is something that they really don't have any new information on other than to say that we'll share more with you when we can. The cataclysm is an important addition to the game, and it's currently a big focus for the team. Well, that's great. They've talked it up for a long time now. The cataclysm will bring new challenges and rewards and pushes the story of Anthem forward. Cataclysms are anticipated to be the way that they expand the game. They don't have it set up for expansions like Destiny did, so this is going to be the way that they essentially continue to push uh, on the narrative of Anthem. As our work continues, we will share more with you in May. Now, that's important language. We know that they're going to miss May. It's listed as features delayed. We don't know when the Cataclysm is actually going to find release because they can't even say we'll have a release date for you in May, which they could reserve for July or August or what have you. They essentially say, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, We are really, really far behind. At some point in May, we will share more with you. We'll tell you more about maybe what a Cataclysm is, maybe not when you can expect it, uh, because we are so behind at this point. On loot, which is really the major item that most of the players in the Anthem community have been grappling with because it's, uh, they would describe it as broken. I got to be frank, I'm not good enough uh, at Endgame in any of these games as a service games to really experience the, the meta builds and what is broken and not broken at these high levels uh, of gameplay. But they've said it's broken. They've had problems with the progression. You've seen these articles on Anthem. Here's what BioWare has to say. We have heard your concerns around Endgame loot. We agree that our loot and progression systems need to be improved, and we are working towards this. When we have more information to share, we will. So, yeah, that's not information. That's nothing. That's, uh, we, we agree. There are issues here. Uh, we have no idea what the fixes might be. We have no idea what the fixes might look like. We have no idea when the fixes might be delivered. Uh, and uh, if we come to any of those conclusions, we'll, we, we will probably tell you. Except on communication, they say a lesson we have learned is we have been talking about things too early. Now, remember, in that live services statement, when they talked about a roadmap, part of it was about communication. We go here to the live services statement, and at the very bottom, it says, we also commit to sharing updates with you frequently and consistently. I look forward to hearing more of your feedback on our plans and the game overall. So the plan on February 22nd when they were facing this deluge of bad reviews and bad word of mouth, was, hey, uh, we're going to be open and honest with you. We're going to talk to you all the time. And that's important to us. That's important to what we're trying to achieve with this game. And then all of a sudden, 10 weeks later, they start out their statement, while we have been quiet publicly. And then they finish by saying, we've been talking too much about stuff. There are so many factors that can cause us to pivot on our plans, whether it's bugs and stability issues, player feedback, or complications with a feature that requires us to take more time to deliver it. Our goal is to tell you about new content and features once the work is closer to being done. At the same time, we want to provide more ways to get your feedback and for you to tell us what you think is fun or not fun. To facilitate this, we plan to introduce a player feedback environment, a test server, an opportunity to get your feedback before we go live with major features in the short term for PC only. So they're going to have a test server concept uh, for people to complain about them in the test environment, uh, which... uh, 
honestly, I'm surprised they didn't already have, but apparently they didn't. Uh, but the point of this is to say this is a reversal. This is a change in what they were trying to communicate back in February. And I don't want to hold them to be disingenuous. I don't think that this is a case where they said something in February just to get people off of them and now are going back to what they had always planned. Uh, however, certainly from the front of this uh, message, and I'm not uh, an active member of the uh, Anthem community on Reddit, it certainly appears that they haven't done a lot of talking to the community. They, ha- they start this with an apology for essentially going dark. And now they've said, hey, we talked about too much stuff. All of this can be read as the roadmap was a mistake. And I think the roadmap was a mistake from a development perspective. It was a mistake for trying to hold people's feet to the fire and actually creating the game. It definitely wasn't a mistake in terms of selling the game. Uh, Anthem's sales, however good or bad they were, I would argue absolutely were reflective of this notion that there was going to be these major improvements in the first 90 days of release, that Anthem was going to change, was going to evolve into something that people could like a little bit better than they did out of the box when it was first sold in February of 2019. However, that being said, I don't think um, it's, it's necessarily great that they're now rolling all of that back all at once. Uh, and I think people are right to be concerned that they were essentially taken advantage of with a roadmap that it looks like they never had really any chance of achieving any of the major aspects of. Uh, and so the last thing I wanted to talk about on this video uh, was something that comes up to me. People ask me about these kinds of questions on Twitter a lot uh, and on various other social media. If you do have questions, if you do have ideas for future virtual legalities, or if you want to comment on any of these things, I am on Twitter uh, quite often marketing the firm, otherwise talking about items of interest. Uh, so please do find me at Hoaglaw, H-O-E-G-L-A-W, uh, and, and chat with me about these things. Uh, this is how I find a lot of my episode uh, content. Um, so please do feel free if you've got something that you want talked about in virtual legality to let me know. Uh, but outside of that, one of the things that people ask me about a lot is, uh, you know, can I sue for this? They, they won't give me a refund. There's a problem with this game. Can we sue? Can there be a class action, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the thing I tell my clients uh, and the thing I usually say on Twitter is uh, after saying not legal advice in tweets, of course, uh, is you could sue anybody for anything. Uh, whether or not you win is the real question and how much it'll cost you to get there and what your potential damage is, what your potential return on investment is, are all the questions that really drive the question. Otherwise, you can sue your neighbor right now. You can sue the person that you meet on the bus. Uh, that is not really what's going to drive this because law is expensive. Use of trials, use of all the processes of trials is expensive. You want to know whether or not you've got a, a real case or whether or not somebody can bring that case for you. In this case, I think there is at least lightly uh, a kind of deceptive advertising claim uh, that could potentially be made on this. Now, I'm going to go into this, and the reason I'm prefacing this with what people ask me on Twitter and all of that uh, is because I want people to understand it's not a particularly strong claim. The Federal Trade Commission in general is worried most about drug manufacturers lying about what a drug does that can kill you uh, or, uh, you know, power tool manufacturers not properly uh, ad- advertising uses that wind up with somebody losing an arm, uh, things of that nature. So when we're talking about video games, when we're talking about somebody losing $60, um, it's not necessarily the highest on their list. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't uh, essentially look to those rules, look to those regulations and try to make a claim, uh, try to make it an issue. Certainly, in the public sphere, uh, in uh, the uh, the journalistic sphere, even more than the legal sphere, by having that background, by using that leverage of what the law says, what the regulations say. But overall, 
I don't recommend having a class action go and try to get refunds for Anthem. Uh, I find this to be essentially an educational and informational conversation, uh, and it's one that I like having. So please do comment on this video if you've got your own thoughts or if you disagree or agree with me on these things. But without further ado from that, let's, let's take a look at the Federal Trade Commission's advertising uh, frequently asked questions, uh, the guide for small businesses, because I found this to be essentially the best description of what it is that they do. Um, so it says, uh, what truth in advertising rules apply to advertisers? Under the Federal Trade Commission Act, advertising must be truthful and non-deceptive. Advertisers must have evidence to back up their claims and advertisements cannot be unfair. And in truth, what we're going to focus on here is the, the truthful and non-deceptive components. There's a lot of other kind of case law and regulations and letter rulings that go with respect to unfairness. Uh, and, and evidence to back up claims. I don't think we have any reason to believe Bioware didn't believe they could affect the 90-day uh, roadmap uh, when they put it out there, uh, but it's turned out certainly to be uh, untruthful at this point in time. What makes an advertisement deceptive? Uh, it is likely to mislead consumers acting reasonably under the circumstances and is material. And we talk a little bit about materiality and virtual legality, but it means it's important to a consumer's decision to buy or use the product. It's not something that nobody cares about. It's not something that um, uh, this is uh, a mesh gray, uh, but it's actually kind of a, uh, a solid gray. Uh, it's something that isn't material to the product. Uh, so when we talk about is the 90-day roadmap material, is this something that would drive somebody to buy the product? And if you're watching this video, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that I think it absolutely was. The reason to put it out on launch day is to try to quell the bad reviews and the bad word of mouth that are coming out on Anthem when that happened. And so you were trying to say, people, don't listen to all that. Yes, the game might have its problems today, but it's not going to have its problems tomorrow. And because it's not going to have its problems tomorrow, we would like your, 30, your 60, 60 bucks right now. And if you give us your 60 bucks right now, we're going to take care of you. Only April 23rd rolls around and says, oh, well, maybe not so much. How does the FTC determine if an ad is deceptive? The FTC looks at the ad from the point of the view of the reasonable consumer, the typical person looking at the ad. Rather than focusing on certain words, the FTC looks at the ad in context, words, phrases, and pictures to determine what it conveys to consumers. The FTC looks at both express and implied claims. An express claim is literally made in the ad. For example, ABC Mouthwash present, prevents colds is an express claim that the product will prevent colds. An implied claim is one made indirectly or by inference. ABC Mouthwash kills the germs that cause colds contains an implied claim that the product will prevent colds. Although the ad doesn't literally say that the product prevents colds, it would be reasonable for a consumer to conclude from the statement kills the germs that cause colds that the product will prevent colds. Under the law, advertisers must have proof to back up express and implied claims that consumers take from an ad. So let's stop at those two bullets. We're going to get to the rest of the bullets in just a second. It's important to see that when we talk about deceptive advertising, when we talk about uh, advertising that can cause problems for corporations, it's a kind of holistic approach. It's, it's looking at what the advertisement says, what somebody could impliedly read into the advertisement, and what a reasonable person would say uh, when they look at that advertisement. And this is going to come up even more because when you have a product like Anthem that isn't limited to an M rating, that is actually teen, rated T for teen, then you're also bringing children into the mix. You're bringing in 
folks that don't necessarily have that reasonableness of a full adult, at least under the law. And that actually increases your burden, your potential uh, deceptive advertisement exposure if you're a company, because the FTC essentially says, all right, we're going to apply whatever the actual consumer of this product is, in this case, teenagers, um, you know, or, or even less, because there aren't those kinds of bans, those aren't those kinds of requirements in GameStops or where you might buy a product like this for games that are less than M rated uh, for mature. So holistically, what does that 90-day roadmap say to a person? And in particular, what does that 90-day roadmap say to a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old that's interested in buying Anthem and has collected their money and has gone to the GameStop to pick it up? What do they think about that 90-day roadmap? And is it deceptive to them? And we're going to get to that note about children at the very end of this discussion. But that's what's happening here is it's a holistic approach. And that's one of the reasons why the note at the top of the 90-day roadmap if it existed in February, at the end of February, and I'm not 100% positive that it did, but if it existed on the website for the entire time, why it doesn't just cure the problem for them? You know, the lawyers at Electronic Arts, the lawyers at Bioware absolutely had that note included uh, because it's supposed to cure things. It's supposed to say, much like you might see in a securities filing, this document pertains to forward-looking statements and things may change and you shouldn't rely on it. And maybe if they said all of that, they would have the protection that they're looking for. But instead, all they really said is this is subject to change. And so part of the FTC analysis, part of any analysis about whether it's deceptive is, would it be reasonable for a consumer to assume that when you say something is subject to change, that it could all be wiped out and that virtually everything on this entire list might not make the 90-day window, might not make the 60-day window? Is that a reasonable expectation when you call something a 90-day roadmap? And I think I would argue that it is not. But as you can see, when you're thinking about things from a legalistic standpoint, there's a lot of gray area. You could absolutely argue that it would be reasonable. When we say things are subject to change, we mean it could not come this year. We mean it could come two years from now. Subject to change is subject to change, and you can certainly read it that way. I think that's a little bit unfair for a reasonable consumer, and that's not how I would read it, and that's why I think there is a possibility of a claim here. Going on with the bullets that the FTC uses to determine if an ad is deceptive, the FTC looks at what the ad does not say. That is, if the failure to include information leaves consumers with a misimpression about the product. For example, if a company advertised a collection of books, the ad would be deceptive. If it did not disclose, the consumers actually would receive abridged versions of the books. Then the FTC looks at whether the claim would be material. That is important to a consumer's decision to buy or use the product. Examples of material claims are representations about a product's performance, features, safety, price, or effectiveness. So, again, when we talk about what does the ad not say? What does that disclaimer at the top of the roadmap not say? It certainly doesn't say, hey, this roadmap could be completely wrong. It could become, all of this stuff could be canceled. All this stuff might not come for five years. It doesn't give that implication. Um, so I think it does not say what has actually happened, which is, hey, we didn't hit April at all for this stuff. Uh, in our statement, we're not sure we're ever going to hit April. Uh, we don't have a new time to give you. We don't have a new release date. We can't promise you all of the April stuff in May. We can't promise it in June right this second. And so we're not making any promises at all. Hopefully, Bioware gets the stuff out on a reasonable time frame, and they're closer than they suggest in that comment. But if they're not, uh, they might not hit any of the time frames in the initial roadmap, and that's going to be a problem for them. Is it material? Does it influence a consumer's decision to buy the product. It's talking specifically about features of a product. Now, it's a special case because it's features that the product will have in the near future. And if will have in the near future becomes will have in the far future, is that deception? And I think the FTC in general hasn't worked a lot with software as a service, hasn't worked with live services a lot. It's still a fairly immature industry. And so you've got these questions that are not fully answered under the law, not fully answered in the regulations. 
does a change in timing of features that are promised make it deceptive? Especially in an industry like video games, where another real important note is exactly how fast the price for games fall. So getting people to purchase a product in that first window of availability, getting people to purchase a product at the $60 price point instead of the $40 price point or the $30 or the $20 price point is a significant difference to the bottom line of electronic arts and Bioware. And so it was very important from a marketing perspective to have a statement go out February 22nd that says, we're going to take care of you. And now that you've fallen outside of that window, you know, it's April 23rd. So two months, 60 days after that February 22nd comment. Now that we're outside of that window, that price of Anthem is going to fall. And I suspect it already has fallen. I actually haven't followed the price for Anthem uh, in the various marketplaces, but as we go further and further and further out from that release, and certainly as word of mouth ex- continues to extend from statements like the one yesterday, uh, that price for that product is going to fall, and Electronic Arts and Bioware is going to make less money. And if they hadn't made that statement, I think a reasonable lawyer or a reasonable person wanting to bring a claim or wanting to discuss the issue with the FTC could say, hey, this statement was only made, uh, maybe they did know that it was deceptive and that they didn't really have a chance in heck of meeting this roadmap, which would obviously make it a much stronger claim if you could prove that somehow. Uh, they didn't have any idea that they could meet this roadmap, but they put it out there just to make sure people would buy the game in that first opening $60 window. Then you start to have something that looks like an actual deceptive practice, that it looks like the, the company is in the wrong somehow. The last bullet here, the FTC looks at whether the advertiser has sufficient evidence to support the claims in the ad. The law requires that advertisers have proof before the ad runs. This is a little bit uh, old school. This is when they talk about ad running and buying buying things in a newspaper or on television, something like that. This is a Bioware-controlled blog uh, type entry. It's the website for Anthem, so it's a little bit different than that. And it's difficult to say exactly what sufficient evidence would be. Generally, that bullet is talking about when you make those claims about mouthwash, that you have a survey or something along those lines. In this case, they're talking about what their development efforts are and whether or not they actually believe they could hit those. Uh, The smoking gun on that kind of thing would be an email between executives that says, you know, even though we don't think we're going to hit these, just put them out there to make sure we sell the product, something along those lines. I'm not saying something like that exists. I doubt it does exist. Uh, But... I think you can also be essentially recklessly indifferent for whether or not you can hit something and just make sure you can put all the stuff out there in a roadmap because we need to try to staunch the flow of sales. We need to keep sales coming into Electronic Arts at that $60 price frame uh, or else we're going to be in serious trouble. And that's really how the FTC looks at uh, whether there's deceptive advertising. As we talked about before we kind of jumped into these guidelines, they also focus on uh whether it represents a pattern of deception and the amount of injury. Pattern of deception is interesting here because of the difficulty that Electronic Arts has had for a long period of time uh, and because of the complaints made about various aspects of their business model, certainly the fact that there's essentially a loot crate workshop being done uh, later this year almost entirely because Electronic Arts decided to add loot crates to every single game uh, in 2017. Uh, And... So Electronic Arts does have this history of potentially causing problems for the FTC, for commerce in general in the video gaming sphere. So maybe they get a second look when they wouldn't otherwise. The amount of injury is the bigger issue for bringing a real FTC claim. Uh, As we talked about, they're really interested in things that can accidentally kill you, things that cause irreparable harm. Uh, $60 out of your wallet is terrible for anybody that feels like it was stolen from them, but it's not irreparable. It's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things. 
And so the FTC is less likely to take on an action, less likely to make hay for the electronic arts of the world uh, because they aren't killing people when they make these, when they make these claims. Um, it's worth noting, however, that penalties uh, can consist of injunctions. They can essentially force you to take the stuff down. Uh, they could force Electronic Arts to take the roadmap down since it's so obviously not the case now. And it actually surprises me that they haven't already taken it down from what was said uh, yesterday. Uh, but they can also uh, sometimes ask, sometimes advertisers have been ordered to give full or partial refunds to all consumers who bought the product. Uh, and so that is the case where you've got a situation where you could have the FTC come in and say, all right, Electronic Arts, uh, maybe you're not fully deceptive, but you, we think you might have a problem here unless you want to have a bigger problem with us. Uh, maybe you should start offering refunds uh, through at least your own service, at least through Origin, and then maybe we could work with Microsoft and Sony to see exactly what kind of refunds need to happen from a digital storefront for them. Uh, and then last thing that I wanted to highlight here is uh, the children's advertising concept. What standards does the FTC apply when evaluating claims and ads aimed at children? The FTC pays particular attention to ads aimed at children because children may be more vulnerable to certain kinds of deception. Advertising directed to children is evaluated from a child's point of view and not an adult's. Uh, and I think it would be difficult to claim that advertising for Anthem, a game rated T for teen that is available to for purchase for 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds, uh, is not advertising that is aimed at children. So I think you do have to meet this higher standard about what deception is, that you have to be very clear about your disclaimers, that all of this could change, which it's not clear on, even with the kind of highlighted disclaimer in their current statement. And I think with that as the entire context, I do think you start to have a conversation with BioWare, with Anthem, where you say, how deceptive was this? When did they know that this wouldn't happen? They certainly knew before yesterday. Uh, and they really haven't had any communications or any information given about the April roadmaps um, since uh, the start of the month. So when did they know that they weren't going to hit these milestones? And if it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when should they have changed the advertising, even if they didn't think it was entirely, uh, it was entirely unmanageable when they made it at the end of February? Uh, and that's really virtual legality for today. Uh, it's unfortunate that so many of the discussions surrounding Bioware and Anthem are of this negative variety or of a variety uh, that forces us to ask exactly what Bioware is doing and whether or not they can make uh, uh, Anthem into the game that they clearly want it to be. Uh, but I think it's a conversation worth having because the video game industry is only going to progress, is only going to mature, if at all, uh, if we really start to hold some of these companies' feet to the fire when they talk about the games that they're putting out there. And I love Bioware. I've loved them for a long time. They've made some of my favorite video games on Earth, some of the top 10 list for Hogue Law in general. And uh, it's a shame to see what's happening with them right now. I very much hope that they can right the ship and that they can make things better. But for now, I have my doubts. And statements like yesterday did very little to allay those doubts. Um, but if you like this video, please do like, please subscribe to the channel. Please let people know if you think this is an interesting video and if you think anybody else would be interested in having these conversations. I love engaging with folks that are new to the channel. They generally leave me uh, some interesting comments, some negative, some positive, and I love having those conversations. So please do share them around. Uh, otherwise, if you're watching this on YouTube through the video, thank you so much for watching. And if you're watching it on your favorite podcast service, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on the next Virtual Legality.